Oh, it feels good to be back in the green and gold. Although I just want to warn you that this fall could be very dreary indeed. It's going to feel like, it might feel like a Lent, uh, depending on what happens at the quarterback position. Um, you know, we, na- nowadays we have the ability to access information so readily, so immediately. You know, all we have to do is say, you know, hey Siri, just waiting to hear how many phones go off. <laughs> See if mine goes off. Um, or Alexa, or, you know, we Google it, we look at Wikipedia, we, you know, I mean, you can find out so much so quickly. Um, and we somewhat take it for granted, uh, I, I think. I mean, just imagine those of you who are old enough, a lot of the younger folks, folks, <laughs> younger people won't remember you know, um, early computers like the Commodore 64 and, uh, you know, a 286, a 386 processor. You know, I remember getting the 386. Wow, so much faster, you know. Um, with those large floppy disks, were they five and a quarter? Is that what they were? It's just ridiculous. Um, Etc. And, and how, how much technology has progressed in so little time? Well, you know, of course, back in the, in the days of, of the Lord, um, pre-industrial society, um, their understanding of even farming was very, very rudimentary. And so the example he uses in today's gospel is meant to, of course, convey a meaning beyond the you know, the lack of scientific understanding. We understand a whole lot more about how plants grow, et cetera. But, you know, back then it was a matter of, well, hoping that you had good soil and then you just scattered as much seed as you could. And the more seed you scattered, the, the you know, the volume was, was important, was crucial. And then you had to wait on nature to do what nature did. And you hoped there wasn't a drought, right? But you hoped there was enough rain. You hoped that uh, the, the wheat or would, would grow as it, I don't know anything about farming. Anyway, you would hope, <laughs> just showing my hand. Um, but you would just hope that, that nature would do what it, what it ought to do. And so when the Lord says, well, you know, you, you scatter the seed and then you, you go to sleep, you rise and... You just, you just don't know how it works, but eventually it grows and it becomes what it ought to be, the grain or the wheat producing the grain. And then once it becomes what it's supposed to be, then you can harvest it. And this is kind of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like, scattering the seed and then letting God do his work. So in, in that kind of analogy, or in that analogy, there's definitely sort of a letting go. Like, there's only so much the farmer can do back then. Scattering as much seed as he can, trying to put it into good soil, and then hoping for the best, hoping it's going to be a good year. There's only so much, there's a lot that is out of his control. And I think that in our lives, you know, we, we have the same experience. This 
desire for uh, control and then also then the, the, well, the tension between desiring to control and then having to let go. I remember a number of years ago, 10-ish years ago, I was speaking to a friend. He's much older than me. He's, he's in his 60s. He's old. Half of you are now angry. Um, he's, a, he's a wonderful friend of mine. And I was, I was, I don't know, it was 10 years ago, and I was, I was just kind of down on the whole, gosh, I don't know if anyone's listening to me. I don't know if, if you know, if this is even working. You know, being a priest and doing your thing. He said, Father John, he said, your job is to scatter seed. That's it. And it really, that kind of changed my life and the way that I looked at priesthood. He said, it's God's job to bring in the harvest. It's just your job to scatter seed. You may never see the harvest. You may never see what the Lord brings to fruition. But, you, you know, there's a letting go. There's a, okay, this is my job, and then God does his job. And I have to do mine the best that I can, and then trust that God will be God. Now, I think about that, especially for parents, or really any relationship, but particularly parents. You know, the parents make all kinds of mistakes. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but in a way, but you know that, right? I mean, you know you're doing the best you can. Hopefully, you're trying to do the best you can. And even in the midst of trying to do the best you can, you know that you're, you know, because you see it reflected back to you and your children, especially when they're little. And you, you realize the, the gravity of the influence you have on your children so that your faults are often reflected back to you, right? Your, the negative parts, perhaps, of your personality come back particularly things you might say, you know, come back, or they come back to you through the kindergarten teacher, you know. Guess what Johnny said today? Um, it's amazing how much kindergarten and first grade teachers know about your family because <laughs> your kids spill the beans. But, you know, with your children <clears throat> and, and really with most things in life, all we can do is our part, and then we have to let go. And one of the, one of the ways that, particularly in f family relationships, things get messed up is when a parent can't stop letting go, or can't, I'm sorry, can't let go, can't stop trying to control. You know, and so they come to the priest, they're like 70, and they come to the priest, and they're like, Father, my kid is, how old's your kid? 50, you might let him live his own life now. Maybe you can let it go. But of course, as a parent, you're always a parent. It's, so it's, it's an easy thing to say, let go, but you never really let go. You just, your, your relationship changes into a more mature, hopefully, relationship. But there's so many parents that, that do come to me um, toward the end of their lives and lament I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have just done more. I wish I, you know, I see what's happening in my kids' lives and, I, and my grandkids, and I wish that I could have done more. I think we want to place ourselves in a situation where we don't really need to say that. 
I think we want to put ourselves in a relationship, whether, you know, mine as a priest, yours as parents, those of you who, who have what you have. I mean, you know, kids even today, like, are going through school, and, of course, well, you're on summer vacation now, thank goodness. But no matter what we're given at the time, ideally, we want to be able to say, you know, I did the best that I could. I did the best that I could with the information that I was given at the time. And what it takes is really comes from the second reading. It takes courage. It takes courage. It takes courage to be a parent. An incredible amount of courage. I mean, the responsibility you have over these little people and, and how, you, how you form them, especially early, early on, how you form them can, can mean a whole lot for their flourishing later in life. I mean, it can really, really detract from it. All kinds of damage can be done. Or it can actually really accentuate their flourishing later on. But here's a twist to it. I know some pretty great parents. At least I think they're great parents. And sometimes the kids get messed up anyway, despite the parents. And it becomes an incredible source of suffering for the parents. And of course, it's suffering for the kids too. So there is an element of, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know how this is going to play out. Like the farmer scattering the seed, he doesn't really know how the crop, how the harvest is going to come in. And his parents, or you know, even in any kind of relationship, um, you just don't know how it's going to work how it's going to play out, how that you're, you could be the best parent in the world. And I've known some really great parents. And sometimes the kids have trouble. And they become, you know, adults who have trouble. There is a really important dynamic we have to reconcile, allow, let go of, which is that need to control. We do what we can in the moment when we have responsibility. We do it with courage. We raise our kids, we raise our families the best that we know how. And then once they're old enough, right? Or even as we're doing it, we have to trust that God is going to bring in the harvest. You might say, well, Father, how is he going to bring in the harvest if my kid is suffering? Maybe he needs to suffer. And I don't mean needs to suffer, for, but just maybe he particularly needs that suffering. Maybe that's the path to his own sanctity. Now, I recognize there's so many permutations to this that we can't just give a flat answer to every situation, but that we need to trust that even the adversity that we go through, that our children go through, etc., can be redemptive. You know, we, the old adage, I always forget adages, you have to help me. The old adage, I learn more through my failures than through my successes, is that it? That's good enough. It's so old that there's nothing literal anymore. It can be whatever you want it to be. But it's true. We learn and we grow more through our adversity 
than we really do through our success. Because the success doesn't ever really motivate change, but the adversity does. So to conclude, as we're looking at our relationships, our, our families, our children, or even the world, you know, the, the country, the state of the there's always people concerned about the state of the country. There's a whole media empire built upon the state. Every media empire is built on the state of the country. It's either falling apart or it's going great, depending on who's in office. And then they get everybody worried and fearful and anxious and let God be God. We live our lives with courage, understanding what we have power over. But the crucial thing is understanding what we don't have power over and allowing God to bring in the harvest. Please stand.